A figure facing forward with outstretched arms holding staffs. It's one of the best-known Andean iconographic images. And this figure was depicted in all sorts of media, stone, textile, and ceramic, as well as colonial paintings. The tradition can be traced back to Trevine culture with figures holding serpent staffs. And the best-known version of the staff deity is depicted on the Gateway of the Sun at Tiwanaka. Today, we get into part two of the mysteries in the Andes. You're listening to Casual History. Hello, Jacob. Yeah, welcome back. How are you doing today? I heard you burned your foot. <laughs> doing, yeah, I did burn my foot, but I'm all right. Other than that. Did you get it wrapped good. up? I did. I did. I got, got all that stuff. I had to go to Walgreens, make a special trip. It's a whole thing. I didn't want it to be a whole thing, but it is. <laughs> now I get to walk around my work like Michael in that episode and act like I'm, you know, do you everybody have to needs have, to do everything uh, for me. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, like an ointment? <laughs> like, how do you treat a burn like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, <laughs> this is, this is Walk the podcast. Walk us through it, Jake. Um, okay. <laughs> well, you have to have a, uh, the ointment, which is like a neosporin for burns. Okay. Yeah. So you get that. So you put that on there to make sure it doesn't get, you know, infected. Right. And then you put a nonstick gauze. It's a very special one. You can't just get regular gauze. You got to get the nonstick ones. Right. You know what I mean? That doesn't, isn't painful to take off. Then you wrap that with like a gauze, like flexible tape around it. Wow. And it's actually pretty thin. It sounds like it'd be like a bulking boot on my foot, but I mean, it's, it's pretty thin. Well, good. Well, I'm uh, glad you got it sorted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it, I had to go through in detail of what I did. <laughs> well, I just, I was, I didn't know. And I figured I'd ask. <laughs> it, it's topical. It may, yeah. I mean, Hey, good. But, uh, yeah, I'm all I'm all settled now. I'm okay. I'm not dying, but I am looking forward to coming in to work and being like I I burnt my foot on a foreman girl. Yeah, because <laughs> you wanted the smell of bacon in the morning. That's right. I'm gonna wrap it in bubble wrap and everything. Well, I am bringing in the subject today, and it was it wasn't uh, I didn't have to choose because last the last podcast I did, which is two weeks ago now, yeah. Um, was we started off with the mystery in the Andes, and it was part one. I knew it was going to be part two because there was so much to get into. Um, yeah. And I figured, so before just jumping into where we left off, um, I figured just a, a brief synopsis, or for those who haven't and want a more detailed listen, um, go back through and listen to our podcast, the one before the last one. Um, it's kind yeah. of the part one setup for this up. one. Yeah, it'll get you caught up. Um, just to kind of understand what we're talking about when I mentioned some of these names <laughs> and who I'm talking about, um, because it does kind of roll off of that, but there's some interesting points within here. Again, this rabbit hole goes deep. And so I'm going to touch on different, uh, interesting notes and stories, but I figured it all wrap up into, uh, kind of giving a good picture of the whole thing. Um, the best no, I can do. Lo- sounds like you're locked in, Jeffrey. Sounds like you're locked in. I'm going to try to be. I'm going to try to be. Um, <laughs> and do you want an update, right. Jake, before we... Uh, do you remember all that we talked about? <laughs> uh, give me a brief skim. 
I do remember, but like I I know I'm going to forget something. So essentially, we started the last podcast, right, discussing the mystery of the mm-hmm. Napahaka. Do you, you remember that? Right. Which was the, yes. the, the cut in the side of the Andes Mountains in the middle of nowhere, basically. Right. And it was precision cut. There was this doorway um, that led to nowhere, but it was, again, precision cuts. And there was also a throne of sorts um, basically cut right, out of this looted, thing called Bluestone. Right. Um, it was cut out of bluestone, which led us through a few different things. It led us through the cre- possible creators of this uh, monument or place mm-hmm. or sacred. It could be religious, could be uh, someone's farmhouse getaway. You know, <laughs> who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it might have just been a nice little house. What if it was just a man cave? Like <laughs> someone kicked him out of his own house. Yeah, a long mean, time ago, and decided I'm going to build a really nice place where I can get away. Yeah. And now we just see it as a throne. A nice vacation home in the Andes Mountains. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't I'm want, not I want that? I'm not going to lie. Timeshare. That thought runs through my head way too often when going back through some of these, in quotes, historical sites or, you know, uh, what is this doing out in the middle of nowhere? What is this doing in this place that it shouldn't be? My thought is always, but well, what if it was, if it was me, like, Think about all the people that live out in the rent yeah. in the woods now, right? Just kind of they build log cabins yeah. or they have they're really detached from society that we know of, but they're just out there. I don't know of them all, and imagine now someone from a hundred years finding them. Yeah, what if it was just like a really fancy outhouse? Like they were just a really like well off, you know, family group, and they were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna build this nice outhouse out here." You know, I like the blue stone for its color. It just looks really good. It matches the decor. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like hundreds of years later, people are like, oh my God, what is this? It must be like symbol in the sky. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do think it is something. But again, I always, <laughs> that always is a funny <laughs> thought. Um, but essentially that yeah. led us through, right? We were talking about the, the civilizations that possibly could have created it. And then, which led us to, um, Viracocha being the kind of star figure of last podcast where Viracocha is for those who are new to this, I would suggest listening to the other podcast, but if you want a brief synopsis, Viracocha is basically a creator God of the South American cultures, like of those tribes back then. Um, And it was kind of their deity, but there was based on supposedly some real accounts of a man that Viracocha was a real person. Also, it could have been a person that got deified, as Viracocha or could have been stemmed from the, the Viracocha, you know, uh, theme, but that's what kind of led us into this rabbit hole of, um, so the, the grand theme being, <laughs> uh, I've always had this thought process and interest in the thought that there was a higher civilization, um, than what we would expect that used to live thousands of years ago and either died off, um, basically correlates to the Ice Age or the, the pre-Tundra uh, timeline where only a few survived and they had some of these skills that were lost and then they come walking into these tribes and were deified. Um, that's a thought that's been thrown out there that I'm interested in. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, right. but that's where we're at. <laughs> Long-winded, yeah. but this then we, is a podcast. Then we also... Then we also talk like we talked a little 
Talked a little Jesus in the last pod, didn't we? Exactly, because it does correlate. So there's some timelines again, and um, what we were talking about specifically was directed at the Book of Mormon. Funny enough, that was one of the big, uh, because the the maker uh, John Taylor uh, subscribed to the idea that the similarities between the stories of Aracocha and his story of Jesus being in North America were too similar to be basically different people that in that right. world he adopted that as it has to be the same figure. Um, but again, there's so many different theories of if this person was maybe it was an apostle, which we kind of get into, I'll get into here a bit um, that right. came later. So are we just for clarification, are we getting back? Like, are we just trying to figure out this is the rabbit hole from finding out that civilization right? Uh, yeah. who built that? Well, I, I want to. Well, it leads off into Veracocha. I want to continue on with the Veracocha theme because that's where we left off, and then kind of get into the Quetzalcoatl, which is a similar figure. The similarities between the figures that were at Quetzalcoatl was one in the uh, kind of the godlike figure um, that was in the uh, uh, Aztec, sorry, Aztec Empire, and then um, Veracocha was the name for the kind of deified god in the um, South American culture so the incas so there's similarities there i want to get into but i kind of want to run off that story and then um try to tie it up if i can at least leave it as an open-ended thought um yeah so that's a good preface so um more on veracocha right so the south american created god and i I mentioned at the front of this podcast kind of as the opener right that there's um Basically, there's artwork fig- of the a figure holding staffs is like a prominent, like uh, f- I guess just marking that's on a lot of different um, things like pottery, um, textile, ceramic. Uh, it was made like actual statues, and which also yeah. kind of makes it significant. Um, and so I do want to touch on. So the the first thing being, of course, is that Viracocha carried a staff. Um, and that the images generally show sun rays emanating from the head of the staff, and many depict a bearded face. So going back mm. to that thing that Kinda we like talked Moses. about, <laughs> exactly. Okay, now hold on here. This is the, this is the weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird how I maybe it's just like because there's a lot of this stuff that happens in uh, it seems when going back through the history that there's certain figures or maybe even just like stories that somehow end up similar, like on widespread parts of the world. So I don't know what that means. Right. I don't know at all, (laughs) but it's interesting enough to mention. Um, So all have all of these pictures of this figure have a scepter or staff in each hand said to be emblems of his power and authority as creator of all things. And so from the various images of Aracocha on the pottery, uh, textiles, and metalworks, the temples of ancient Peruvians dating back well before Christ's early mission. It's clear that these Peruvians worshipped a staff god and may have associated him with Viracocha. Now, I can't. there is a mention of this in uh, this kind of thing I was reading about. Can you get away from the similarities of, right, the book, like Moses, right, supposed to be the staff that turned into serpents, two serpents? Right, like it how seems it seems very similar, and how all you know didn't all pharaohs have staffs as well? So it um, just correlates. I have no clue. To, I can I can't pretend to know that. Um, I just know that the yeah. 
it does correlate some weird way to <laughs> the Moses story. The Bible um, yeah. and their people, yeah. Yeah, it, which again, it's just, I don't I don't know. I'm just pointing it out because it's interesting to me and I wanted to kind of follow this. Um, so this is going to be some big words here, but archaeological and ethno-historic evidence shows that this symbol of a man holding a staff with serpents was widely utilized by the ancient Peruvians to represent Vericocha, right? And Saramento, who is a, um, I believe was one of the chroniclers that we discussed, um, in the last podcast, which were just um, Spanish uh, Catholics that were kind of uh, dutied with keeping track of history. And so um, Saramento noted that Inca, I'm not going to name the name because I can't say it, but basically a royal Incan um, leader made two images of gold, one of Viracocha that he placed to the right of the image of the sun and one of lightning that he placed to the left of the image of the sun. Okay. Now, much like ancient Near Eastern depictions of two serpents intertwined around a central pole or the single serpent that Moses raised as a symbolic uh, fig- symbolic image of Christ. So, and there's, there's supposedly, um, there's, um, I guess, uh, writings on this in the Bible, which if someone wanted to look it up, um, it's uh, John 3.14 um, which is really interesting. I guess has an interesting passage about somehow that symbolic version that, that represents Christ. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I know the Bible well enough to oh, okay. be able to say that, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and I'll just keep going. So jump in. Tell me to yeah. stop whenever you have a thought. Okay. I'm just going <laughs> to keep talking. No, you're good. You, you're, you, you had a moment internet wise where you chopped out completely, but that's okay. I came right back in. <laughs> okay. Well, I kept so, going. Essentially, it just yeah. touched on the the version. Basically, there's at the royal Incan god. One of the or, royal Incan leaders made two images that was similar uh, to uh, the serpent staff of Moses, right? And the image of that. And so, okay, uh, gotcha. according to the handbook of Incan mythology, um, this is in quotes, the two-headed subterranean serpent was depicted in pre-Columbian art long before the Incas. So the thought that this somehow came up after um, basically is what supposedly it didn't, that it was long before the Incas arrived that this image was a big thing. Um, It wasn't just uh, made up later. Thoughts, questions, I don't know that I have answers, but. Yeah, I I think that is a theme that comes up a lot because I even know um, learning some in some history classes myself that like in America in like um, the middle America area, mm-hmm. like snakes and serpents are a huge part of symbolism all throughout. Yeah. So that is definitely a universal, universal thing. Yeah. And like I said, it's weird how some sites across the world can have similar, I guess the word is iconography. Like the same kind of yeah. depictions, but be worlds apart. And then we're scratching our heads going, wait, how did they depict the same images when they supposedly didn't have any contact and there's no correlation here? Right. And you can you can kind of throw a little bit to like having shared experiences like, um, you know, like bad things associated with bad things. Right. Uh, using them as symbols in that way seems like it, that could be a shared experience even though you're across the world like if you run into snakes you know on one continent if you run into snakes on another continent you're kind of getting the similar idea yeah so i think that's very interesting it's also really interesting how they're both used in a religious 
version as well. Like there's both like my oh, sure. only two, again, there's probably more that I just don't know about it, but the Bible and the Moses story being one and the symbol of mm-hmm. the staff turning into two serpents. And then supposedly this, the Inca mythology, this like line of thinking, this text, these images have been everywhere before and after. So it's just weird to me. Maybe it was picked up at this. I, don't, I have no clue. I have no clue. I don't have answers to that, but it's interesting. It's definitely very, very weird and doesn't seem like it would be too much of a coincidence. Yeah. And it also touches on one thing that I have uh, in my notes here is that some, so part of the thinking of the, like the Catholic uh, chroniclers that we talked about, right? It's ironic Mm. that some of them initially documented the existence of these statues, right? Holding the staffs and the kind of Christ-like appearance. They described it as Christ-like attributes, but then they ended up participating in kind of the destruction of those images and almost vilified it and kind of made it demonically inspired images and not really the real, supposedly their God. Um, So it's interesting how that happens. And basically the explanation supposedly is that it's evolved by their, the initial scheme to Christianize the Inca masses. Um, And at first the priests, were really willing and kind of anxious to build bridges of understanding um, between mm-hmm. the theology and that of the Incas. And so when they were describing back to them these attributes supposedly of being able to heal the sick and, you know, the the bearded figure in the robe, they the initial response was, wow, this is kind of crazy. But then it turned into um, really basically they wanted to start from scratch and Ended up they, one of the fun, one of the, not the fun, but one of the interesting points is that they actually um, destroyed uh, one of the temples in these cities um, and yeah. built on top of the temple, which was two Viracocha, right, which is supposedly these Christ-like attributes appearance. Built on top of it a a church, like a a a uh, I don't even know the right word for it, but so it's weird how that happens, right? You kind of like oh, that's move over. <laughs> Yeah, the the symbolism in that alone. Yeah, it's unlike it's, building on top. And again, they you have to do. I this is not a a lost theme in different parts of. We've talked about this being a particular like a main theme also where, right? It's good until then it uh, it's not, and then all of a sudden they're going to demonize yeah. it and then put it to the right, and then it's all bad. And so let's just do our own yeah. thing. Let's just start from scratch. And it's a weird way to look at humans and. I don't know. It's it kind of baffles Definitely me. Definitely a weird way. Um, but basically, the end result is that although there's some evidence, right, that the lifelike statues existed of Viracocha, um, mm-hmm. and that depicted a more obviously Christ-like figure, none of these realistic uh, statuaries is currently available to be examined. Uh, but it doesn't change the enthusiasm with which some of the chroniclers that we've been talking about throughout these two podcasts reported the existence of many Christ-like monuments throughout the Inca empire. And for example, Mm. um, like Garcilio gave these two descriptions. He was a chronicler. um, And basically this is one of the descriptions. It says, Viracocha was represented as a tall, well-built man wearing a beard. As long as your hand, he was dressed in a tunic that came down to his feet. And there was something about this statue that reminded one of the likeness looked of our holy apostles and especially of his honor, St. Bartholomew. I can't Bartholomew. 
Bartholomew. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you um, go. You know who that is? I I had to do some digging. Bartholomew? No, I don't. He was one of the really twelve don't. apostles of that. Jesus, according to the New Testament. Oh, how did I not know that? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Either. Well, he's not mentioned very often. That's part of the reason why I was unsure about. It. I guess he's mentioned maybe. Yeah, Luke, John, James. You know, I know those. Well, they. That's interesting. Uh, there's also there's. I'm not going to go too far down this because I'm going to be ignorant here. But there's a there's a depiction here where Bartholomew. It's supposed to have been pegged as Nathaniel in the story throughout oh. the stories of the Bible, but it's unsure and there's a lot of disputes to that. So I'm not going to touch on that, but that's just an interesting note. Um, okay. But basically when the Spaniards discovered this temple, right, which I just talked about being destroyed and the statue of Ercocha was there, they said that St. Bartholomew had perhaps been in Peru to teach the word of God to the Gentiles. That was their thinking, okay. right? Right. And uh, the same guy, another chronicler whose account isn't considered as reliable, another one of the chroniclers, um, not one of the four primary chroniclers that we kind of attribute all of this information to, gives a different perspective, of course. Um, he wrote this after viewing a statue of Ericocha. He said, when I passed through this province, I went to see the idol. So supposedly there was a big statue of Ericocha, which would have been crazy if it was still around but of course yeah, so it's just been lost at time destroyed destroyed it was the, in the temple that we just talked about that they then put their oh, own right um tem- temple on so it's just yeah oh that's weird crazy but basically he said when he went to see the idol for the spaniards affirm that it may have been some apostle whether this or any was intended for one of the glorious apostles who in the days of his preaching had passed away God Almighty knows, I know not and can only believe that if he was an apostle, he would work with the power of God in his preaching to these people. So again, that okay. that theory was been around. It was passed around being being like, this guy could have been him or could have been an apostle. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so in one way or another. Yeah. So the connection is just weird to me. Again, I just, there's something that happened here. There's something that's going on here. Maybe it was a, like a secular event and they just created the same kind of figure from who knows what, but I just feel like the coincidences are, are too much. Yeah. They start to add up after yeah, a while. They start to add up a bit too much. Um, and so obviously some of the Spanish were seeing similarity, right? Between the image and of their own, probably interactive, inaccurate concept of what an apostle might have looked like. Um, but unfortunately, right, like we said, none of these statues has survived. And so we were left with this array of depictions and descriptions and interpretations, and again, we're left with kind of no real tangible yeah. visual evidence um, outside of just this account. Um, Which is crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, again, that all those connections, yeah, it seems too eerie. It does. And I again, I this rabbit hole goes so deep, and I just had... I. I couldn't ignore it. <laughs> I couldn't ignore it. Yeah. But there's some interesting stuff here, which I'm going to touch on, where we... Um, which I guess I, I can go ahead and start. We're not quite yet at the halfway mark, but um, all right. But there's hidden treasure, hidden gold, and so there's. there's you'll probably like this story of uh, now. Now you. <laughs> now you've got my attention. We're, we're going to talk about that after the break, but I'll, I'll lead up to that with these okay. two little pieces of information because we're almost there. Um, so no statue, right, was more prominently displayed or thoroughly described than that which was found in the central temple of Cusco, the capital of the Inca Empire. Mm. The solid gold statue was of a bearded man, right, which we've already talked about, flowing tunic and sandals with one arm raised as if in a command. 
And um, oh. another chronicler reported that in Cuzco, in the temple dedicated to the god Viracocha was a gold statue of the creator and that it was the size of roughly a 10-year-old boy and was shaped like a standing man, his right arm raised high with the hand almost closed and the thumb and second finger raised like a person who was ordering. So I'm doing the... <laughs> right. I'm doing yes. that. I, yeah. <laughs> no one can see it, but I'm doing Pod, it. Yeah, um, I know exactly what you see. And the natives came to this temple in Cusco um, night and day and made offerings on an altar before the gold statue. And the temple and the golden statue survived for several years before, like we already mentioned, Catholic priests had the building demolished and built on its foundation, a Catholic church. And the covenant... Uh, that still stands to this day. Honestly, w- what a shame. Yeah. Like to lose again, just anytime it makes me really sad. Anytime I hear about, um, just losing history, stuff like that. Like what man, just like, give me a picture of that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Just like little pieces of that. I wish there were stuff still around. Jacob, don't give a Pope. You know why? Why? The fate of this oft described solid gold statue is a mystery, right? Although legends abound that this golden relic, as well as many others, may have been spirited away by Inca warriors and hidden in the mountains, inside caverns, or at the bottom of lakes. As a 2011 article in the National Geographic highlighted, at least two 19th century explorers were led by indigenous guides to huge troves of Inca treasure, presumably hidden from Mm. the Spaniards in the 1500s. And one of them was an American named Barth Blake. Do you know any of this story? No, I don't. So this is the first time I'm hearing Barth it. Barth Blake, uh, who wrote a book uh, of beholding, and this is what uh, saying, thousands of gold and silver pieces of Inca and pre-Inca handicraft, including life-size human figures. Um, I could not remove them all. Basically, he found this supposedly. Right? He said he could found it. Right. He said I could not remove them all alone, nor could thousands of men. Taking only what he could carry, Blake left and never returned. Because, the article continues, sources suggest that en route to New York, where he planned to raise funds for an expedition to recover his prize, he disappeared overboard. Oh. So. He knew too much, Jeffrey. Some say he was pushed deliberately, Jacob. (laughs) Of course. I mean, hey, if you want a little share of that money, if you want to be the only person who knows where that stuff is. Yeah. Or the history is too big, Jake. It would ruin. I know. It would ruin what we know of today. <laughs> he made the classic mistake of letting his guard down. It belongs in a museum. That's all I th- thought you could think about. <laughs> it belongs. Do you remember in that a boat museum. scene when he's uh, Indiana Jones is fighting Dude, for that yes. relic? He falls overboard. <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Uh, Jeffrey, I've still yet to watch that. There is a uh, like a fourth film of Indiana Jones film. Sorry, I'm. Never mind. I mean fifth because there was a fourth. Indiana yeah, there was a fourth one. But one where he's younger, like younger, like a kid version of Indiana Jones movie. I have no uh, clue. Something with like a peacock something in the title. Yeah, I have yet to still see that, but I hope I, I can't imagine why I haven't heard anything. about. I it. haven't heard any. Is it actually Harrison Ford? No, it's not Harrison Ford. Okay. It's it's uh, like kids, kid actors becoming him. Oh, okay. But then like I don't for a full movie. I don't know that I want to watch that. <laughs> It was in a box set. Yeah. With with I'm just I'm just shocked that it existed because I had only known the three books. Well now I'm gonna have to go and try to find it. Maybe 
there's an interesting interesting story there. Yeah, man, you can come over and watch it. I got it on VHS. Wait, you got I just it? Haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, I own it. Oh my that's God. the only reason why I know it exists. Oh wow. Okay, yeah, that's a plan. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, it's Go okay. Off on uh, this is a good it. time to stop. We'll do this, and we'll come back to more of the story. Yeah, more more gold. For the people on the podcast listening, you're not supposed to hear this. This is an excerpt, but uh, Jeffrey has now begun to search on YouTube for a pronunciation of a word that he doesn't know, which is very good on him. Better than I am in my podcast, so wish him luck. And we're back. All right. Thanks for listening to that ad. If there was an ad in that podcast, I'm, I'm Jeffrey. I'm determined. Yeah, I am too. I'm determined. We're gonna get an ad. Okay. I'm gonna get old Listen. saying those words. I've I've been doing some research. I've been doing some uh, <laughs> more research, and and I'm figuring out there are ways to make this happen. So I'm gonna make it happen, Jeffrey. Okay. Well, mark my words. This year we're getting we're getting an this ad. year. Come on, put it within. Give me a month time frame. <laughs> I'm giving myself lots of leeway. That's no. That's not how you be productive. <laughs> you don't set that's a due date for you a year. <laughs> you you always. I mean, like that's vague enough. The vagueness. That, you know, it could be any time. I, I if you give me three, if, I'll give you three months, Jake. Put it to work. Let's three go. months. All right, guys, hold me accountable. Yep, that's three what we're gonna do. We're getting an ad. All right, <laughs> and that will no longer just be if there was an ad in that podcast. That'd be nice. Oh God. Um, be like, well, Jeffrey, did, Jacob didn't get us another ad again. <laughs> yep. Fourth month in. So we left off on Barth Blake and supposedly some of this gold and statues being left or hidden away in uh, random places. And that supposedly he right. found it and he ended up mysteriously being pushed overboard, um, possibly deliberately. Mysteriously in yeah. quotations. <laughs> Uh, I doubt that it was mysterious. It could have just been straight up. I'm not letting this guy go. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe maybe it was an accident. Yeah, it could have been know, an accident. Just, Who knows? You know, nah, you know. Ocean is people, scary. People die man. in crazy ways. You ocean know? is scary. You never know. Uh, dude, the ocean is terrifying. So I don't blame. So him. I'm gonna take a slight detour here and kind of talk about some of this. I guess this treasure hunt and this possible gold that we definitely need to go hunting for. Uh, yes, please. And then we'll get back to uh, get do. back. It'll kind of connect back to it. So, okay. in this is the word I was trying to look up to make sure I pronounce right, and I'm going to butcher it. So don't even right. bother. Um, uh-huh. Linganades National Park is home to a great deal of beauty, right? With its dramatic hills and carpeted yeah. and grass contrasted against the thick green cam- canopy of the Amazon. What a description, am I right? Jeffrey, you paint a picture. Thanks. I don't want way with words. Um, <laughs> Both worlds coexist peacefully in this natural paradise, but the earth below is no stranger to conflict. A curtain of swollen, tangled trees reveals a mysterious and dark past involving the murder of an Incan king and a lost treasure. A treasure that some say oh, no. has been hidden deeper than the park's perimeters and still lies there to this day. Now, this is the treasure that supposedly barked. Barth Blake found, and the connection here is that there's a big statue that was supposedly the depiction of a Christ-like figure, Veracocha, all gold, solid gold. You'd think if invaders started to happen or something was about to happen, it might have been spirited away, and it could be a part of this treasure that got hidden in the forest. Um, okay. And so when Spanish conquistadors 
captured the Inca king. Um, he offered them gold to fill a room in exchange for his freedom. And weighed down by what we can imagine was thousands of pounds of gold and jewels, Inca general, uh, an Inca general and his men made haste to provide a ransom for ki- their king. And however, before completing this mission, he learned that they were too late and the Spanish had already murdered the king. And so after hearing the oh, news no. of this death, the general sent men to carry the gold to the national park that I just mentioned, and, and it was uninhabited land. And afterward, he traveled to uh, Quito and removed even more gold, supposedly, to hide with the rest. So despite being captured and tortured by the Spanish, he got captured after this. The general did. Yeah. He refused to reveal the location of the gold, taking his secret with him oh, to the my. grave. Now, the bloodshed had only begun, Jacob. (laughs) In spite of the lives lost between the Incas and Spanish, the lost treasure has entranced and baited many treasure hunters like us. I know we're going to. Like like me right now, (laughs) where I'm I'm getting ready to order my metal detector online right now. (laughs) Well, maybe. Who knows, man? (laughs) Who knows? Crazier things have happened. Um, Basically, a lot of people searching for this has has died just because it's in an uninhabitable, pretty crazy part. And it's no uh, journey for the faint of heart. Um, and yeah. So, you get bitten by a snake, you're done. Yeah. It's a long, difficult no hike, hospital. supposedly through muddy swamps as well as endless moorlands. And um, regardless, do, stories do exist of people finding it in the area. Mm. And a Spaniard by the name of Valverde married an Incan woman. Okay. This is where we get some of this okay. information. And after their marriage, her family is rumored to have shown him the treasure. And before his death, he created a map describing its location. And this oh was the location gosh. that Barth Blake followed. And supposedly he said he found it, but then he died. Okay. But it's been moved henceforth, right? It's been moved. We f- who knows? Basically, it's assumed so. It could be moved by now. It could okay. have been lost to the... Jungle, who knows, wherever it was placed. But, Jeffrey, do they know for sure? They don't. No one knows for sure because no one's do we found need it. To check on this. <laughs> I would love to check do on it. We need to go wading through <laughs> treacherous territory. Yeah. To find well, it. Well, here's Jeffrey. the thing, Jake. Within that stash of gold could be, which Barth Blake said, human like figures, the only real life figure. Of Viracocha depicted, it could be could be a statue of Viracocha within this stash of monuments and gold. So we could be doing a twofold: right. getting rich and <laughs> history. And history. <laughs> That's right. And history. And history. You know. But that was too good. Yeah, of no, a, like, we'll leave a little for history. We'll leave a little for the museums. You know, uh, leave a little, a little for the museums. Like, hey, I'm hoping have... the museum will pay us, right? Isn't that? Well, I don't know. I don't know how that works. To be honest <laughs> with think, you, I don't know. I don't want to be like a grave I'm robber. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure when you find stuff like that historical, you donate it. That's not like a. Yeah. It belongs to the the people. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. So. I mean, that would be the right thing to do. It would be the right. But you know, thing. if there was a couple, if there was a couple of like gold coins, you know, missing from it. Who knows? You well, know? we'd have to. Who knows? None's we're, wiser. We're, Jacob is speaking too plainly on a, a widespread. <laughs> I am. You're right. <laughs> form. Now this is on here forever and no one will ever believe me when I find the gold. No one will ever believe you and then no one will ever believe when you buy a Mercedes that you just bought it for <laughs> from the job you're working at, you know? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You donated it all. I didn't find any gold coins. In quotes. <laughs> I would never keep a piece of history like that. 
Never. I couldn't. Ha- you yeah. can quote me on that okay. right now. I'm quoting you. Um, but basically, that was an interesting story that kind of led off Viracocha. But we'd be doing a, you know, a twofold uh, discovery there. Um, right. So that monument supposedly that's in that stash is one of them, and then supposedly there's another prominent monument to Viracocha that survived the Spanish conquest and can be is still displayed on a hillside of the Sacred Valley in Allentambo, uh, Peru. Um, the Viracocha mm-hmm. monument is a Mount Rushmore-like effigy of the profile of a man staring across the valley toward uh, Machu Picchu. And although the rock right. ca- carving has fallen into despair, thousands of, thousands of tourists still visit the site every year. So, Okay. There's some remnants there, um, and the rock effigy is actually best viewed from the heights of the fortress uh, that was built there, which was the site of a heroic rebellion against the Spanish by the Inca emperor in exile mm. um, in the late 1500s. Just an interesting point of note. Um, one can yeah. almost imagine, Jake, that Manco sitting atop his mountain fortress, staring across the valley at the effigy of the Viracocha-inspired uh, uh Monument, and if at all possible, a blessing. And according to uh, another chronicler, this effigy was carved in the image of Viracocha in memory of his visit. So oh, okay. um, the people also made another rock statue of Viracocha uh, outside of Cusco, where they said Viracocha sat when he visited. So again, the thought that this is a real man keeps coming up, that it was based on a real person that visited these places keeps coming up and is a common theme when it's being depicted and, uh, you know, just reiterated. So, Right. Well, if in any case, this must be a hell of a dude. Right? I mean, like, if anything, he made an impression. To leave leave this kind of impression, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. It's all pretty nuts. Yeah, and it's just the, the religious coincidences it all connects but yeah. there's another and the implications right like what what would that mean yeah if we did find i mean again it'd just be interesting to see what the depiction was to see if it matched you know um what, theories that we had yeah what we think uh an apostle or jesus looked like right because that would change the whole story right it i mean would. that would that would change it would and there's the idea sorry i keep in there's a lag on my end go ahead no you're good i would just say it would change yeah, it would just changed the how we think of all that in the Bible and those stories and the people together. So it's very interesting with big implications and the fact that every single it seems like nobody's referring to him as some like creature that didn't exist or was like another plane. They were like, no, this was a person. He sat right here. He came here. He told us things. Yeah. Which is very interesting. And the, the only thing that I get confused on, because, again, there's a boundless amount of theories and different thoughts on it, is the timeline of it. Because, again, right, the Book of Mormon like, can say one thing, supposedly, yeah. that this Christ-like figure, how well you... I don't know anything about that, so I'm not going to try to speak on it, but supposedly their timeline sure. connects that to this uh, this figure. But there's also a timeline, and supposedly that this story of these gut, this figure was before even... Um, you know, uh, uh, before even Christ. So the timeline is kind of confusing to me because there's, again, there's theories, there's thoughts. Well, this person said this, this person said this. So I'm trying to lay it out in the best way I can, but um, it kind of leads us into the last figure I want to touch on in this podcast, this kind of uh, this theory that we're going with. Um, 
Okay. And that's of the Aztec god, um, so a little bit north of <laughs> Peru, <laughs> in the Aztec yeah. Empire, um, there is a figure called Quetzalcoatl. Yes, which I have spoken about on a previous, it came up, his name came up. I didn't know exactly what he was, or I figured he was just a, a god that they worshipped. Yeah. But they did come up on another podcast. And there, so, yes, so essentially this Quetzalcoatl could have been, again, it could have been a conf- conflation of either old stories of a god called Quetzalcoatl that became into a man that they attached to a man. Um, and because right. there are stories of what Quetzalcoatl supposedly was, which was a two-headed feathered serpent. And that's kind of the depiction that you see in, in images of Quetzalcoatl yeah. is that serpent. So again, but the similarities, I must say, to Viracocha down south <laughs> with the two-headed mm-hmm. serpent staff, right? The serpent figure does come up again in a similarity. Um, and suppose, I know I know there's more of, there's more text on Quetzalcoatl being a figure, like a, a god figure than it was a man, but there ha- is some... Right descriptions of him being a man as well um, and supposedly traveled okay. through and I'm going to read one off to you and then again just yeah. kind of pointing out the similarities yeah. so of course that makes it more interesting because yeah the, the reason why that makes it more intriguing is because of the other stories say he traveled like right from like the Aztec person. you know what I mean mm-hmm. he could have traveled through and it, maybe it was a common theme yeah, through there and built up um, but so supposedly Quetzalcoatl was the lord of intelligence. He was described as a tall, fair-skinned, fair-haired man with a beard. It was told he wore long mm. robes, and his mess- uh, message was one of love. He promised people that he would return f- one day from the east. And the Aztecs awaited the coming of the feather- feathered serpent god, and this announcement of the kind of return every 52 years is what they believe coincided with the arrival of Hernan Cortez, right? In 1519, right. hence Cortez and his army were received with a more welcome hospitality probably than they uh, would have yeah. had this they not deserved. been a kind of thinking that, you know, people were going to return and he similar kind of looked like what they the description of Quetzalcoatl was. Um, right. But... Uh, there, what ended up happening um, with this was Hernan Cortez did. I think he portrayed himself as a god, right? He kind of like played off of it. Yes. But the emperor and leader, there's a specific text that's a reference where he, he basically saying stop playing, stop playing a part. Basically saying he knows that he wasn't eventually, but he kind of already received the welcome and things kind of already happened. That kind of led right. to and that he was welcomed in. And- yeah. That's kind of what led to him being able to conquer them. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's at least the theory. <laughs> so, right. Um, the feathered serpent deity, common to much of Central America, first appeared in images and statues and carvings starting around 100 BCE. So, this is again the timelines kind of a crazy. And depictions of the feathered serpent usually took the form of a carved snake head placed upon a wall, with further relief carvings depicting feathers or birds. Um, these carvings also included a shell, conch shell, which was a symbol of the wind. So basically he was just embedded throughout this culture and we can, we can find some, um, we, at least the, the symbols of, of Quetzalcoatl. Um, yeah. So 
the roots of Quetzalcoatl, though, are interesting to me. So, at least the form of the feathered serpent, anyway. So, it can be traced all the way back to the Olmec civilization. Have you ever heard of the Olmec civilization? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. So, they were basically, we don't even know what we to call them, right? This is just the name that uh, the locals called the older civilization to them, which sure. Olmec means rubber, so the rubber people. And supposedly mm-hmm. they uh, pe- like had a, a thriving civilization between 1200 to 400 BC. That's like in the like in this world that we supposedly think of, uh, you know, like North America and South America. How crazy yeah. is that to think? I don't know. Just that that thought. These people la- they were around that long. Yeah, they were around yeah. that long. Um, and so in this culture, the representation of a divine feathered serpent can be found on one famous Olmec stone carving known as the Levente Monument 19, um, in which a man okay. is shown to be seated before this creature. And Please tell me you have a photo, because I would oh, yeah, love to yeah, post no, that. Yeah, definitely. I will sh- send it your way, and we can post about it. Um, have you ever... Awesome. There's also some really interesting stoneworks from uh, the Olmecs, where there are these huge stonework... Uh, they're fa- face figures with... Shield, almost like head headdresses on, or like head, almost like uh, helmets on. Right. And it, Interesting. I, I don't know. I'm not saying aliens, Jake, but aliens. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just remembered. <laughs> I know. I know where I've heard the Olmecs. Okay, I've not heard about it in any like historical sense. Okay. I've heard it through that '90s show that was a game show. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you remember? It was like a tiered game show with a talking stone face with like a headdress on yeah. it over the head. Yep. And uh they called him uh Olmec. Yeah. They called him Olmec, his name. And that's where I remember it from. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a little embarrassing that I remember it from that instead of uh a historical sense. But uh that's yeah. okay. anyways I do remember that's it okay. a little bit. Well supposedly Jake within these sites, these monuments, right, that I just mentioned about the the feathered serpent, there's the a yes. figure Again, with the same, there's a there's a similar theme through a lot of different depictions. Is a man holding a bag? What we can only interpret to be it looks like a bag, right? Like it's got a handle and then like a a square. I'll show you the photo. I'll post the photo. Yeah. But again, yeah. this connects to the larger theme, which I'm not touching on too heavily, just because we touched on it in the last podcast. And if you want to go down that rabbit hole, I don't want to be you know saying all these things and be ignorant on it. Um, but sure. supposedly that could represent, throwing the theory out there, that the last of a dying civilization, these people, these gods that were kind of deified, were bringers, which they were, they were bringers of peace, bringers of how showing you farming, showing you technology, bringers, right? Kind of re, yeah. restarting civilization almost. Um, and again, it's kind of coincided with Quetzalcoatl and the feathered serpent image. Um, interesting. Yeah. Though. Yeah, this this whole story is pretty wild, to be honest with you. I uh, I had not heard of any of these names besides Quetzalcoatl in that kind of form. So this is very, this is all very interesting tie-ins to me. Yeah, and again, I I it, there's, I'm trying to piecemeal it to myself because I have to do it just to understand it and try to follow the timeline of all of this and um, try to discern what's really just kind of hokey pokey what's pseudoscience and what's real fact um right um, but the olmec civilization in particular interests me because it could represent maybe 
one of the last, maybe who knows, like civilizations that were highly advanced, and then they ended up dying off. And one of the things it, about the Olmecs is that um, we don't really, like I said, we don't even know what they called themselves. Like there's so little known. Yeah. That Olmec, right, which meant rubber people. Um, and due to lack of archaeological evidence, their ethnic origins and the location and extent of many of their settlements are not even known. The Olmecs did, however, codify and record their gods and religious practices using symbols. And the precise significance right. of this record is, of course, much debated, but at the very least, its complexity does suggest some sort of organized religion involving a priesthood. Um, and the Olmec religious right. practices of sacrifice, cave rituals, pilgrimages, offerings, ball courts, and pyramids. Wow. <laughs> And pyramids. And a seeming awe... The fact that pyramids are everywhere across the right? world, too. Maybe it's just... Not, a, not to go into that. <laughs> it it <laughs> help me understand. <laughs> I know, man. You 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 so badly want to believe, too. Like, I'm with you. There, There is substantial evidence that could clue into some, like, you know, past, more advanced civilization trying to hand down technology i just think it's so funny how you're so you're like i'm in pain you're ready for it you seem like you're on a hunt for I'm it in why are you in, I'm pain? in pain because i want it's like one of those uh i guess just answers that you gnaw at and you, you i know i'm never gonna get to the center but i so badly want to scrounge yeah. and like dig up and find all these connections <laughs> well it's the same thing with atlantis right like and and i've always seen like every single show i've ever seen on history that's the one thing I used to learn from watching the History Channel all the time, which was um, that ancient civilizations, the more and more time that goes by, the more and more that we realize that they were way more advanced than what we thought. Mm-hmm. And like hearing, I think there was at one point where we found out there was actually like a water irrigation system, like a plumbing system in some cities yeah. built on a very complex like water wheel that pushes water up, like up. Yeah. Um, into the mountains, like little things like that technology in all those ways. Like we really don't know what people were capable of, what they weren't. Yeah. And we have these images in our head of how these past civilizations were just because of the time. But we don't truly know everything that they, you know, knew or had. We're also looking through the lens of if they didn't have electricity, if they didn't use copper if they didn't like if they didn't use yeah. the things we use in the way we use them then they didn't have and they didn't have yeah. them. which we're finding out there's i think there's some lost just information like lost on how to farm in the uh jungle that we feel like it could be inhabitable there could be no existence of uh a town or civilization which we're finding as deforestation happens there was bunches of tribes and cities that held thousands of people and we're, we used to think, oh, yeah. no, that could that couldn't happen because it's like how are they going to eat There's, there? Yeah, like again, don't get me started on uh, other podcasts that I've heard. Like I know you listen to them constantly, but I remember listening to a podcast with you in the car on a trip somewhere about how America is the place for a lost civilization that no one knows about because of some of the monuments that are sprinkled throughout Central America here. You're quoting um, Mr. John like Hancock, that. and he he's yes. known, again, I hate to put him in this light because I, he presents it as all, he only, not only, he 
basically tries to follow the facts and he, he can be placed sure. as pseudoscience but he he's getting proved more and more right with his theories again he's the one that led me down this theory of again the grand theme being the bigger civilization that happened and then died out and the people that were deified and kind of spread new technology and rebuilding yeah. civilization like Quetzalcoatl, Viracocha, and these different areas that left and traveled, were traveling bringers of light and joy, right, to these people, is based from that civilization. That's his theory. Well, well, if we want to speak 100% fact, the fact is there are civilizations that we know nothing about. Like, that is just a fact. I know statistically, there is no way that we know every civilization that ever existed. And so there are for sure lost people. Lost to time. We don't know Lost about. to time. Like, there's so yeah. many good reasons for things to not be here. <laughs> like, where, like, under yeah. the soil, destroyed by earthquakes, hurricane. Like, there's so much that can happen that I, I, I don't want to try to pretend to know, but I just want to keep searching. Um, yeah. Well, that's the amazing part about now is, like, anybody, everybody listening to this podcast, everybody out there could literally sit on Google Earth, like, there has been structures found like even as like recently as last year, or a couple of years ago of like um, jungle civilizations where they thought, yeah, uninhabitable, too thick of rainforest. There's no way there are people that like, survived there yeah. or had a civilization and they're finding foundations of huge, like huge, huge structures. And earthworks. Yeah. And stonework. Um, that, that someone just found from Google yeah. Earth. Just a satellite image. They were just scrolling through and found a square that they thought was a coincidence and pointed it yeah. out, and they discovered yeah. that at home. Like, isn't that crazy? Through the internet. Like, you can sit at home and still find these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to go out there and find That's them. That's nuts. Um, yeah, me too, man. Me too. I want to go out and find some uh, some gold coins. Well, I have one little last paragraph, but that kind of ties it all up, right? The, all, the similarities between Quetzalcoatl, what we just described with Olmecs, the whole theory, right. that's my best representation of it that I know of. And um, if more information disputes it, finds in it, I find it, we find it more interesting to kind of come back and do another one about, maybe we can do one down the line. Yeah. But this is big enough, I felt like, to just two-part it. Um and I just want to say, so basically, to kind of round out Quetzalcoatl, he, that figure remained a potent figure well after the Spanish conquered, um, mm-hmm. conquered the New World. And the Fiera, uh, I just butchered that name, Diego Dur Duran suggested <laughs> that Quetzalcoatl may have actually been an apostle St. Thomas, right? So more and more people, again, theories that the saint had departed from the Roman Empire following the death of Christ, and Duran, Duran believed his traveled, travels across uh, the sea could explain elements of Aztec re- religion that mirrored Christianity. And this link to Europe was wow. embraced by 17th century Mexican nationalists because it meant that their culture heritage predated Spanish influence. Um, so Interesting. it's just, I don't know, there's so many different inf- yeah. opinions, thoughts, and... Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to have an answer because this podcast is, I'm not going to give an answer. I don't have one. <laughs> sure. But there aren't answers. This, you know what I mean? We can only speculate yeah. and do like in, you know, taking the information. We're also just processing and discussing ourselves yeah. and theorizing ourselves. Yeah. Like a lot of this is piecing together our own conclusions based on articles that we read. Yeah. And I hope if anything, I just maybe touch on some point of interest that makes people want to go look at it themselves. 
go see if yeah something that just makes yeah yeah someone want to go oh okay that's interesting i'm going to deep dive more into yeah. that uh even little areas that are interesting like how crazy would that be if that's true yeah. that like one person influenced an entire civilization and that's how it got around the world that's why and we're end up talking about that figure still um yeah on a podcast in our homes in America in 2021 <laughs> through the internet and not in the same yeah. room. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Weird bookend. That is crazy. Um, anyway, but that's it my is. podcast. The second part of this podcast, mystery in the Andes, a bit of a misleading title, but only because it led the, the string that led us here started from way back there. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, well that's it, Jake. Any, right. any oh, other, awesome, any Jeffrey. other uh, thoughts maybe before we go? No, that that's really awesome. I I really enjoyed the the rabbit hole, Jeffrey. I loved the twists and turns. That's I was not expecting it to go this far. Like I, you had told me some of the names, but I was not expecting it I to uh, end up here. <laughs> We're typically a pretty light podcast. Not that this wasn't light, but we are. You know, these are pretty heavy. Yeah, this is pretty deep and gets a bit off a bit more than I could chew with some of this information timeline. And um, I did my best. Which just means that this is one of those things where uh, it's meant for people to check out and do their own research. 100%. And the things that are interesting to them, they need to search out themselves. And, you know, maybe they find something that contradicts this, you know? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of that. Which I definitely so, want to know if someone does find about. out. Because if, they, if someone does have already information on this, and I'm speaking, uh, you know, falsely, I like I'm legitimately interested in this. It's not something I just did for a podcast. I've been reading this stuff. Right. And so if someone has more information, please, I, like I said, I'm scrounging for it. I want more information. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, that's about it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, yeah, thank you. please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get in the charts and just kind of widespread this podcast. And hopefully we'll get an ad uh, off of that. As Jacob said, he put a three-month <laughs> timeline on. That's um, right. I'm putting it out in the universe. Not that we want to have ads because if we don't have to have ads, we won't. But it's a pretty big accomplishment. It's kind of like a, a, like a, a marker. Like a, progress, like a yeah, milestone. Like a milestone marker yeah. that we want to hit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So follow us at Casual yep, X so. History, uh, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Um, we'll see you next time. That's right. See you next week. Bye.